everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Awesome. All right. Many of you were at camp, but uh, part of that was to uh, relive some of those memories, but also for those that didn't get to go, um, maybe didn't really know what it was like, uh, that kind of gives you a little insight as to some of the things that we do at camp, what, what we actually got down to, and there's so much more there too that you don't even get to see in that video, but um, it was a great time. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun. As you saw, Pastor Eric, he ended up speaking the week that we went, so that was great. Um, got to see him and have them around there with us as well with his family, but it was awesome. And then this week, uh, we came back and we had a few different things going on. We had the Cedarville, uh, a day at family, uh, green family fun zone, which was really, <laughs> which was something. It was interesting. It was a lot of fun. And then we had yesterday, or sorry, two days ago, we had a scavenger hunt. Um, and I said that I would announce the winner today, and so before I start here, I'm going to do that really quick. Uh, there were several of you that partook in this scavenger hunt. I have a few pictures here that will show you with some of the highlights of the scavenger hunt before I announce the winner. Um, but I will say this, the scavenger hunt was incredibly patriotic. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, when I think about the, uh, <laughs> when I think about the scavenger hunt, um, you know, you can't, you might have a hard time seeing it, but, but, uh, those guys look like they're about to be deployed into a foreign country on the bottom right. Uh, and then Chase, I don't know what Chase is doing, but you can see his legs are almost, he's almost doing a split as he salutes the flag. Um, but yes, it was, a. Uh, that was great. Uh, some other things that happened at the uh, photo, sc- uh, photo scavenger hunt. Uh, we went to the pool, got to hang out at the pool. Uh, it was at the end of our scavenger hunt. Max was kind of tired, as you can see. Um, that was really fun. Uh, after, after that, we also got to go around and meet some old people, take some pictures with some grandmas. Um, take some pictures with celebrities. Um, you know, they actually ended up meeting Justin Bieber. Um, and then these guys had the privilege of meeting Chase. Uh, yes, that that is their uh, celebrity picture. Um, yeah, so there was these. And then there was a few other pictures. I believe there is of one more set of pictures. Is there, Jonathan? Or yes. We spent a lot of time praying at Chick-fil-A and a lot of time uh, throwing up at Arby's because, as everybody knows, Arby's is trash. <laughs> trash. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, great. I don't know who did it, but the Photoshop for the Justin Bieber, and then I was also in an Arby's one, which was great. Um, I, for some reason, couldn't upload that with the correct quality, but I did see that picture and greatly appreciated it. I think that's all the pictures that I have in terms of highlights, correct? So that means I'm going to announce the winner now. And before he puts up the picture of the winning team, I'm just going to say, don't be surprised, all right? Um, you know, I, I've, you know, tallied up the scores and this and that. Um, the truth is this. Uh, very, it was very clear to me that my team won. But now, I know that if I say my team wins, 
nobody's going to believe it. And uh, everybody, everybody is going to say that it was rigged. So I put another team that won. All right. Um, in, in my defense, I do, you know, try to be non-biased, but it is what it is. However, the team that won, uh, as you can see on the screen right now, is, in fact, the Queen Bees. So if, um, if the Queen Bees are here, I have a... Uh, all right, yeah, give them a round of applause. They, uh, they won... Katie, congratulations. I have one for Zoe, but she's not here. We'll get it to her at another at another time or later date. Huh? Oh no, I'll I'll hold on to it. All right. Perfect. Jonathan, could you raise the volume on this thing just a smidge? There we go. I like some vibrato in there, and uh, I was feeling my voice starting to strain a little bit. Um Today, we are going to be studying and looking at a uh, psalm. Uh, we're going to be spending our time today in Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is uh, perhaps one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible, I will say, um, if not the most. Uh, very often quoted, uh, memorized. Uh, a lot of the times, this psalm is actually used... Um, in the passing of an individual, uh, it's used at a funeral service, but I want us to look at this psalm and, and go through it, look at it, study it, examine it, and actually see that the promises that we see here, the things that we see and we find and we read about are not just about uh, future blessing, but it's something that we can hold on to and cling on today, right? So hopefully as we go through this, we can learn how to apply this uh, to our lives, um, Learn and, and understand what uh, David uh, was saying in the psalm. Uh, and again, through that, look at seven different things that stand out. Seven characteristics about God. Um, seven truths about God that we find within the text here. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm 23. I'll have it on the screen as well. Um, but this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, when we look at this, historically, obviously, um, David is the one who has attributed this psalm. Uh, there is some speculation as to when it was written. Um, but most accounts of this psalm, uh, or people that speak on the accounts of the psalm, suggest that it's David uh, in his maturity, kind of looking back in remembrance of his youth as a shepherd. There's a quote here um, from Charles Spurgeon, and he says this, I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David probably when he was a king. He had been a shepherd, and he was not ashamed of his former occupation. Uh, occupation. And so 
we see here, this is David later on in life. Now he's already a king at this point. I think um, it's important to understand that, uh, at least within the context of this verse, because as we look at these illustrations that he makes of God, it's something that he actually can relate to, right? So throughout this, um, throughout this psalm, you see that he paints these two pictures um, of God. He, he, he identifies him first as shepherd, and that's consistent throughout the psalm. He depicts God as a shepherd, somebody who provides and protects for his sheep, and that's specifically through verses 1 through 4. And then later on, he goes on to show God as a host who cares for his guests, somebody that uh, blesses his guests um, and, does a, a, and, and does an exceedingly good job at hosting this banquet and inviting people to sit at his table. Now, again, as I mentioned, what's interesting to note is that these two roles would have been incredibly familiar uh, to David. He would have understood, right, he would have resonated with uh, these different scenarios or responsibilities because he was, in fact, a shepherd himself in his early life. When we first see David, he is a shepherd. He's tending to his sheep, and we hear about his accounts with his sheep, how he's protected them, how he has provided for them. Um, this is typically a job that is assigned to the younger brother. Somebody doesn't really care um, for the, most, most people didn't really care for the job, so they just kind of tasked it to that younger sibling. Um, so David, he had that responsibility. But later on in life, as we see, and even when we're first introduced to David, he is being anointed to become king. And we know that eventually David does become king. And as you would assume, as a king, you're more than likely to have people come and, and, and have uh, guests over and, and have these banquets, have these parties, have these things that you put on, right, that you bring people to from wherever. And you have to host this event. And so he, obviously, he's most likely had his fair share of uh, banquets that he's hosted uh, at this point in his life. And he has the responsibility as king to take care of his guests, to take good care of his guests. Now, although he resonates with these two roles and responsibilities here, he is not identifying himself as either the shepherd or the host in this passage. Right? He is not saying that he is a shepherd or the host in this sense. He's actually painting himself in a different light. He is the opposite of that. He is the sheep in this situation, and he is the guest in this situation as well as he speaks about God. We see that he thinks about God in this way, and we, we see that when he thinks about the God of Israel, what he imagines and what he pictures is a relationship with him. And so this is why he paints this picture, this analogy of a shepherd and a sheep, right? He was like the sheep, well, he, God was his shepherd, and he was the sheep to God. And uh, the first thing that we see in kind of this relationship within the shepherd and the sheep that we see very early on in verse 1, and this is the first thing that we find, is the person of God. The first thing that stands out is how he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, right, the word for that in Hebrew is Yahweh. That is the Hebrew name of God, but the first time we see that is in Exodus 3, verse 14, when Moses is headed to free his people. And he says, you know, who, who should I say has sent me? Whose name am I, am I to use? And this is his response when he asks. He says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me 
or has sent me to you. The next thing that stands out, he says, is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so David here is speaking as someone who is under the Lord's shepherd. And in an extension of that, as we apply that today, that is also applicable to us as children of God, as believers, as followers of, of God, that we too are his sheep. And that, again, extends to us. Uh, David, as I've already mentioned, knew this metaphor quite well. And that's why he uses it. You know, as opposed to, um, as opposed to painting a picture or making the analogy of God as king, which he certainly is, um, and we see that throughout Scripture, but that, is, that, that seems almost more distant in this, in this case. He doesn't make a, a note of highlighting him as king in this particular text, nor does he say deliverer, nor does he make an analogy of an impersonal uh, object, right, like a rock, um, which is steadfast, immovable, which God, again, is used to uh, be described as a shield, protection. Instead, he says shepherd. And, and it's important to note that because a shepherd, the specific role of a shepherd, it's, it, his task, his job it correlates directly with how he sees or envisions and understands his relationship with God to be. A shepherd, he lives with his flock. And, and, and everything that goes on with his sheep, he is in and amongst them. So a shepherd, when he's with his sheep, as you're picturing it, obviously today there's no shepherds, at least in our context, in our culture, we can't really imagine that. But if you were to look back then, a shepherd is always with his sheep. He does everything for them. He guides them. He is a physician, right? He has to heal them. If something goes wrong, he is the one that protects them. He is everything to that sheep. So when he is talking about this, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, it's because he knew God in a personal sense. He knew him. He had a relationship with him. And so he, so he calls him my shepherd. And David, in doing so, he understands as well that he needs a shepherd. When he says, Lord, you are my shepherd, it's, he's not just saying, hey, you are my shepherd and, and kind of equating him to a shepherd. Uh, he is saying he needs one. He identifies with the sheep because he understands that a sheep is hopeless without the shepherd himself. Uh, as you look at uh, Matthew 5.3, and Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about the, the, the Beatitudes, right, as you may know. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because they find great comfort in the idea that God can be a shepherd to us in a personal sense, that we are fully in need of God, that we are not self-sufficient, but we are in desperate need of someone who does these things, who guides us, who, who veers us in the right direction, who protects us from evil, and even from ourselves, as we'll see. God is a good shepherd, and he, he identifies himself this way, right? As you look at the text, as you look at John 10, 10, for example, a very famous verse, right? We know it. Uh, you may have heard it. Um, but, it's, but it says the thief only comes to kill or to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have life abundantly, right? But John 10, 11, what does he say? He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is quite interesting, quite remarkable that he identifies himself as a shepherd. Because as I said before, being a shepherd is not like this amazing 
job. It's not like this huge responsibility that people had great esteem for. As you look here, there's a, there's a quote from James Boyce. He says this, In Israel, as in another ancient society, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. If a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who got his, pleasant, his unpleasant assignment. Jehovah was chosen, or has chosen, to be our shepherd, David says. The great God of the universe has stooped to take just such care of you and me. A good shepherd, what does he do? He purchases, he provides, he protects the sheep. And Jesus, he does that for us. Jesus does that for you and for me. He does that for David as David realizes that. And some of you here today, more than others, uh, maybe know exactly what sheep are like. Um, how many of you have, like, worked with animals closely or, like, have a farm or maybe had a job? Okay. So, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But you know that if you work with animals, right, specifically sheep, you know not, they're not the brightest, Sheep are pretty obnoxious. They are um, not very intelligent. However, um, you know, they, they adhere to their shepherd uh, in some way or another. But the sheep, the sheep, what does it do? Oftentimes, the sheep, it goes astray. The sheep wanders. The sheep gets distracted, kind of gets sidetracked, veers away from the herd, from the flock. And it does its own thing, which is why it's so crucial for a sheep to understand and familiarize itself with the shepherd's voice. It familiarizes itself with the shepherd's voice to avoid getting lost. It knows when its shepherd is calling him. And in the same way, I see here in John 10, 27, as you continue to read John 10, that he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. If, you, if you're here and you claim to be, um, if you claim to be a sheep, right? If you claim God to be your shepherd. If you, if, you, if you claim and believe that to be true. Let me ask you, do you know his voice? Are you familiarized with his voice? Right, as he's making that analogy, it, it fits perfectly with the application for this morning in this particular section. Do you know your shepherd's voice? Because we are like sheep. In the same way, if we're left to our own accord, if we're left to our own uh, desires or wants, we, we're hopeless. And for salvation as well. We, we cannot save ourselves. And we are in desperate need of somebody to do these things for us and and that is the good shepherd, that is God. But do you know his voice? If you wander away, if you veer off the right track, do you know his voice? Do you know what he says? And you might say, well, it doesn't make any sense, this analogy, because I can't hear God. God is not audible, but he is. He speaks to us through his word. And we can hear God through God's word, and we have to familiarize ourselves with it to know and understand when we are away from God, when we have strayed away, when we are kind of doing our own thing, meandering around, getting sidetracked, it is important that we know his voice. Uh, the second thing that I want to highlight here as we continue to read, uh, he says, I shall not want. 
right? And the second thing that we find if we're making a list here, it's the provision of God. We find the provision of God as he says, I shall not want. For David, right, the fact that God had the shepherd-like care for him um, was the end of his dissatisfied need. When he says, I shall not want, there's two truths that I want to highlight there is that one, it's a declaration, and it's also a decision. So he says, I shall not want, because he knows that God, right, the Lord is my shepherd, he will provide everything. But it's also a decision that he makes when he says, I shall not want, because he knows not to desire more than what the Lord, the shepherd, gives. So it's not just him saying, oh, I shall not want, oh, God's got this. He's going to take care of everything. And he will, but it's also him making that statement very clearly that whatever he does provide, that is where I will be satisfied. That is with what I will be satisfied. It's not my own desire. It's not what I think I want. It's what he provides because he knows what is good for me. He knows what is best for me. The New Testament, it reiterates that as Paul, he says in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 19, he says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in his glory in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here that in every circumstance, whether uh, with little or with a lot, I will find joy because of God. He may not be giving you what you want. He may not be giving you what you think you need, but he provides you with all you do need. And as a shepherd, he provides. And as you see in the coming verses here, he provides uh, four different ways that he does. David highlights these. He, he paints this very beautiful picture. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, meaning God gives us rest. He provides us with rest, right? And we know what the, what, what the Bible says about rest, but why is it so often that we refuse that, that we, that we deny that? You know, think of, a, think of a sheep. A sheep is brought... Um, to this place of rest, but it so often refuses to rest. Why? For different reasons. Because it's afraid, because it has fear, right? If there is, for some reason, um, a a predator around, or or they sense danger, they refuse to, to, to rest because they're on high alert. They, they, they're worried. Um, They don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, Aside from fear, There's also distractions, right? Distractions that sometimes get in the way. Whether it's for a sheep, you know, flies buzzing around, whatever it is. Um, Animals that catch their attention. Distractions that take our sight off of God. and, and, And sometimes even though we're exhausted and we need rest, our distractions keep us from actually taking rest and seeking God out. Another reason that they won't find rest and they, they are restless is because they, um, they are anxious. There is friction. There is relational strife. You know, think of, a, think of a flock together. If they're all crammed together, there's no room for them. They feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it's relational strife for us between us and others. Um, hunger. There's a thirst, a desire that keeps them from resting. Whatever it is, the shepherd, though, in this case for the sheep and also for us, he is able to 
provide and ease those things. Ease the fears that we have. The, the, the worries that we have about uh, the outside or enemies and people's perspective on us being vulnerable. He eases those anxieties, those fears. He's able to veer us into the right track when we're overwhelmed, when we are distracted. He puts our heart at ease and he offers us peace that is beyond our own understanding. He also restores relationships. And he also gives you everything that you need. That he cures strife and bitterness that you might have. The good shepherd, he knows we need rest. And he offers it to you and to me. You see here that when he makes the analogy and he talks about... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't just say he brings me to the place, but he says he makes me lie down in green pastures. And that's also interesting, right? Because the Lord as the shepherd, he knows when David in this case needs rest and he knows when you need rest. And yet again, sometimes we refuse it. We deny it. We think that we know better, that we don't need it, but we do. And that is part of his care for us. That even when we don't see it, when we don't understand what we need, literally he, he does things and he allows for things to happen so that we might find it in him. And he doesn't just bring us, uh, he doesn't just provide us with these things, but he brings us to this place of rest as well. As you see here in the verse, it says, he makes us lie down in green pastures. Uh, again, he knows what we need for us and he knows where to find it. He brings the sheep to a good place for rest. He faithfully guides them to green pastures, a place for rest where they can receive nourishment. Not just receive nourishment as they lay down and draw their attention to him, but they also have their thirst quenched. They receive refreshment, as you see as well. It says that he restores my soul. He meets your physical needs. He meets your emotional needs. And he restores your soul. Restore here, the word for restore, as you look at the original language, means this idea of rescuing one. To rescuing something, or in this case, in this picture, straying sheep brought back. Uh, whenever we deal with sin, and whatever that may entail in your life, he doesn't just leave us on our own. right? And sometimes maybe the sin might be things that are going on in your own life. Sometimes it might be the things that are going on in the people's lives around you, in the world. But I want you to know that with every single kind of attack that comes your way, everything that attacks your soul, maybe it's heartbreak. Maybe there is pain that you're feeling. Maybe you just lost a family member. Maybe you're, you're kind of trying to wrestle through that, deal with that. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe some of you here today have things in your lives that you've hid for only God knows how long, and you. And, and that eats you alive, and, th and that keeps you from finding rest in Him. That pushes you away, that leads you astray. Maybe it's, again, anxiety, despair, whatever it is. I want you to know that He is capable of restoring your soul, as David says here. And then this sense is to mend it back together, to bring it and make it whole again, make it pure in the way that he intended it to be. He is capable of doing that, and he gives us restoration. And I'm going to tell you, he is the only one that can. 
and he leads us. He leads us. This is the last thing that we see that he does. He leads us. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. He also meets your spiritual needs. As you look at Isaiah 53, 6, this is what it says. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The good news about God is that when we wander away, he knows how to get us back aligned with him. The shepherd, again, is like a guide. He didn't just know where the green pastures, oh, the sheep didn't just know where the green pastures were, right? As a matter of fact, the sheep don't know or don't have to know or sometimes don't know, don't even know they need it, but the shepherd does. There are things in your life that you may not even understand that you need. You might not understand how or why. Sometimes things happen in your life and you can't understand the purpose as to why they happen. And we talked about this last week, how God works all things together for his glory and for your good. And you may not get that. And you may not understand ever, maybe a few years later down the road. But God, he knows what he is doing in in, in guiding your life. You know, like sheep, we ought to trust the shepherd. In this case, as David is saying, we need to do the same. Because he's not just leading you. He's leading you in the path of righteousness. It's not just uh, meandering around. He's not leading you without a destination, without a certain purpose for your life. The Lord doesn't just take you on this journey for no reason. Things don't just happen in your life by chance. But he leads you, and he leads you in a path of righteousness. That's why we have the Holy Spirit in us. As believers, as children of God, when we get out of alignment with God, the Holy Spirit is able to show us this path and guide us back to track and step with his will. You see as well here, there's a purpose for what he does, right? And that kind of goes hand in hand with what I just said. He says he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake, uh, the things that we allow or the things that he allows in our lives, everything is for his glory. You know, again, the shepherd guides the sheep with an overarching view, and that is to credit himself with the glory, um, the shepherd's own name, right? The, The sheep... He doesn't just lead them because the sheep are good. The sheep are led, and he conducts himself in this manner because the shepherd is good. It's not the sheep. The next thing that we see here is the promise that we can hold to, the promise of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, this is the one that I was alluding to earlier that people often quote, and they use it, you know, funeral services and the passing of an individual, but I want to just encourage you and know that this is not just something that uh, you can kind of encourage somebody that has passed away with or their relatives, but it's something that you can hold on to today and in all circumstances. When you just think about life and as you are walking through life in step with what God has for you, this should be an encouragement for you as you look at the beginning of this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does a valley suggest? When you think of a valley, you think of this meadow, right? Kind of enclosed and surrounded by these mountains. And a valley may seem intimidating, especially when he puts it in the sense of the valley of the shadow of death, right? You're, you're facing these you're not facing the substance of death itself. However, the shadow of death, and it's 
dark and it's scary and, and intimidating. But what's important to see here is to really understand and read what he's saying. David, he recognizes that under the, sheep, uh, the shepherd's guidance and his leading, we walk through the valley. So his, his words here are important. He says, even though I walk through the valley. When he says through the valley, it's intended to be that way because in walking through it, he is emphasizing here that this is not a place where we're intended to stay and dwell. You know, we're all, we ought to walk through it, and maybe you're walking through uh, a valley today. Maybe you're going through one of these trials, or maybe you're going through struggles right now in a particular situation that seems impossible for you to look beyond. You feel surrounded and you can't see ahead and you don't really know what's going on, but know that in a valley, again, this is not intended for you to stay there. And as the shepherd leads you through it, you can trust that he is giving you uh, the right guidance necessary to get you through that valley. That a valley, again, is just a low point between two high points. And eventually, you walk through it. So you keep walking and trusting the Lord. Because this is not where you'll stay. But through this time here, we can learn that we can be comforted and strengthened because God, who is leading us through it, he is in control. There's a quote here that says, um, death in its substance has been removed and the only shadow of it, only the shadow of it remains. Nobody is afraid of a shadow for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. And the shadow of death cannot destroy us. And because of this, he says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil for you are with me. There are certain things in your life that you may not, again, know why they happen. But I want you to know that everything that happens is filtered through God's divine plan. Nothing that happens in your life is outside of his control. And so if you find yourself in a valley which is seemingly like a valley of shadow of death in this sense where everything around you was dark. You don't have to fear any evil because as David says, he is always with you. God is always with you. Now what's important to note here is that the presence of a shepherd, it doesn't eliminate evil, right? There's still this sense of fear and it's not gonna eliminate that feeling, but... Although there is the presence of evil, what it does eliminate and can eliminate is the fear of that evil. Because you know that despite everything that's happening, all the things that are going on around you in your life, the shepherd, again, is the one that is in control. And he knows all things. He sees you even when you don't feel like he does. Even when you can't sense his leading, when you can't understand it, he knows everything about you and he is with you in the midst of these valleys he offers you protection as well he offers you protection as you read here your rod and your staff they comfort me uh, i don't know if you know much about shepherds but shepherds they typically carry around two things they carry around uh, a rod and a staff as we see here now if you're like me i always just kind of assumed it was one thing Right, I don't, I don't really know, but there are two distinctions here. Rod is something that is used for defense and protection, while the staff is used for guidance, right? So a rod is like a little club almost. And you can smack any predator that's coming by, or you can chuck and throw at any predator. And then the staff is the one that has the hook, the one that is 
iconically associated with a shepherd, right? And so what you're seeing here is that God protects us, in this case, from the outside influences, right? Things that are coming, you can use the rod and protect us from that, but he also protects us from ourselves, right? With the staff, he corrects As you wander, as the sheep go astray, the staff corrects their path, brings them back in. So we see here that if these attacks, even if we don't realize it, right, sometimes we do. Sometimes we sense them. Um, but they're all under God's divine authority. And you see that in the example of Job. So I just want to encourage you again that we can trust the protection of God because he is able. And he loves us enough to protect us from all things even from ourselves. Now quickly as we close here, I just want to touch on the second portion of this. As he talks about prosperity, um, he talks about this word here I think that I need to highlight because it is something that is often kind of you know, used mis- or used incorrectly. Um, but he says here, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me. You know, my head with oil, my cup overflows. Here you see that we can experience God's goodness even in the midst of our enemies, right? As the enemies are present, he's still at ease and at peace at this table, at this banquet, sitting with the Lord. You see here also that it is customary when you think about banquets and you think about people inviting people and and hospitality, it was customary for the host to provide oil for their guests, to anoint their heads. You see that in Luke 7, 44, when Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for not doing so and compares them and, and, and contrasts them with this woman who gives everything, who uses her hair to clean his feet. You also know that it's customary to give your guests something to drink. Usually they don't give too much or they don't give their best, but here we see that David says, my cup overflows. That the Lord, as he, as he loves us and he cares for us, that he is generous in doing so as well. He's not just kind of give you kind of leftovers or whatever, but the Lord's love is abundant. He said that in, in John 10.10 10, as we already looked at it. But David understood and enjoyed the richness of the goodness of God. And lastly here, He also highlights the presence of God. This right here is important for us as he says, Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This, when he talks about the house of the Lord, is the dwelling place of God. It's meant to be the temple. But we know that God is not restricted or limited to four walls. We know that he is not bound to something that is man-made. But David says that, One day I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is a future blessing. David, he understands that one day he will be with God. But David lived in full expectation of this. This wasn't just a promise. And this is not just an encouragement for you at the end of your life. That you're going to be in the presence of him one day eventually, right? Although that is true, there will be a time when there will be no more sorrows, no more tears, no more trials, no hardships. That day will come. But until then, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to succumb to the the shadow of death that you seemingly find yourself in those valleys. 
we have to understand that one, th that one day all things will be made new, but we can, we can be assured that we can also experience the presence of the Lord forever, both on this earth and in the life to come. Psalm 23 gives us a good picture of this good shepherd, and it talks about his protection and talks about his provision and how he provides for us. And then it also talks about how God is this wonderful host who he, he blesses us, who gives us an abundance and, and blesses us not just with things that we need but with his presence, not just in a life to come but today as well. So let that be an encouragement to you as you look at Psalm 23 and understand who the Lord is and what he does for you. That Psalm 23 might be something that you refer to and look at even within your prayers as you reflect and think back on the Lord's provision and his goodness in your life. I pray that you would think of these things. Recount his blessings in your life and how he does protect you. And that even when things are difficult and you don't understand that he is by your side guiding you in, in a path of righteousness. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you again for this time and for this day. Uh, pray that you bless um, the remainder of this afternoon as we go out um, and we, um, we leave this place, Lord, that we would be reminded, Lord, that in all things, Lord, you instruct our path and that you lead us as your sheep, Lord. We are um, entirely dependent on you. Um, I pray that we would trust in your guidance and your protection and your provision. And, and, and Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, Lord, that we would be encouraged in knowing that um, you are with us. Lord, we thank you again, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.